This is LBC from Global. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Steve here. Over the next hour, I'm going to bring you the highlights from my early breakfast show this week. Don't forget, I'm with you every weekday morning from four until seven and on the weekends from five till seven. And here's some of what caught my attention this week. Prince Harry, uh, yesterday it was he's, he's going out with this girl nobody'd ever heard of. Now we're talking about marriage. Now we're talking about the fact that the bookies have suspended betting on the fact that he might get married next year to this girl, Meg, who's done the block. She's already divorced. What on earth he wants to go out with that for? But, I mean, now we know what his taste is, don't we? Now we know what his taste is. But, uh, and they say the reason they know that they're going out is because they've got matching wristbands. That apparently is, I've made sure that I don't have any wristbands or anything that can associate me with, with anybody whatsoever. So no wristbands. I know loads of people have got them, these bits of string you tie around your arm. And people go, ah, oh, that means that we're in love. I mean, Harry's a bit past it for things like that. He's done the rounds. He's had a few girlfriends. There's probably a few one-night stands thrown in there. Likes taking his clothes off when he's had a few bevvies. So he's obviously hanging around with her. And apparently, according to one of the papers, how they know this, I've got no idea, uh, she has Kate's seal of approval. Well, because she's not literally been with just about everybody in the entire world. I mean, why would, why would you need Kate's approval? Because Harry does hang around with their face. He's probably sat in the kitchen while she's got Cook to make a cup of tea or something. And then they'll probably sit round and then Cook will get out the biscuits. And uh, they'll sit round and Harry will go, look, I'm going out with this girl. Do you like approve? And Kate will go, oh, what's she look like? She's really, oh, she really pretty, Harry. You must go out with her. You must really go out with her. She, she's prettier than Cressida Bonus and Chelsea Davy, and, and you don't like them anymore, do you? So perhaps you better go out with her, because otherwise you'll be going out with nobody and they'll start rumours about you. So for goodness sake, find somebody quickly. But mind you, it must be quite difficult for poor old Prince Harry. He's probably lying there at home in bed listening to this programme now. Tossing and turning in bed, moving the pillow around, you know, putting the light on, turning the light off, going to the mirror. I am Prince Harry, I am Prince Harry. Going back into bed, turning the light off, still can't sleep, get up, go in front of the mirror. I am Prince, I'm Ginger, I'm, I'm Ginger Prince Harry, I'm Ginger Prince Harry, I'm really, really famous. Uh, everybody loves me, they want to play football with me, and I'm really good at charity. And uh, I don't like, don't like Uncle Andrew's girls at all, they're just a bit, bit naff. I'm more of a realist, back into bed again, still can't sleep. Oh, God, take a tablet, take a tablet. Go to sleep. Spend all day in bed. But it doesn't matter. No job. No job. Doesn't actually have to worry about getting up and doing a job because I should imagine the only thing that's on Harry's agenda today might be going out and shaking hands with somebody. I don't think it actually involves anything physical. They don't have to be physical in that family. Uh, that should be a Halloween party. Do you think Harry goes out dressed up? Well, apart from the usual dressing up as Captain Birdseye, which he's been doing for the past year or so. I mean, what would he dress up as? Halloween Nazi, I suppose. I don't know there is, if there's such a thing. So what would he do about it? Would he go to a Halloween? Of course he would. Otherwise, he's Billy No. Do you think he sits at home and people phone up and or he actually phones up the brother and goes, uh, hi, bro. Uh, what are you doing tonight? And he'll go, oh, we've got 100 people around for a Halloween party. Cook's ripping her hair out. What little there is left of it. She's having to cater for everybody. Cups of tea and everything. Uh, Kate, Kate's here. Do you want to talk to Kate? Because I'm a bit busy. Hi, Harry. Hi, Kate. Um, so... Busy night tonight, yeah. What are you doing, Harry? Oh, uh, partying, partying. You know, in my mind, my mind will have gone dancing by about two o'clock in the morning. And, uh, oh, right. Well, listen, you have a great time with your mates. Thanks. Phone down. Harry sits there staring at the mirror, climbs back into bed. 
It's a sad existence, really, isn't it, being a member of the royal family? But there again, he doesn't need to worry about money. Mummy left him some money, so that was quite nice. And all he's got to do is find something that's a bit more worthwhile than shaking somebody's hand. You know, if my life was as easy as shaking somebody's hand, I'd be a very happy bunny. But it's not. I snog them, tongues and everything. I don't care. (laughs) Who wants to shake hands? That's so dated, isn't it? No, no, kiss. Kiss much, much better. Steve Allen on LBC. Michael's got it wrong. I have not got cancer, says Val Kilmer. I've just got a swollen tongue. We don't know why, really. Uh, Because you remember, Kilmer also denied he had cancer last year after he suffered bleeding in his throat and went to hospital for a check. There's all sorts of things that start going wrong, aren't there? Um, but they, they were pictured together. He says, I don't hold a grudge against Michael Douglas, who's 72. He said, but nothing could be further from the truth. Some fans have mistakenly thought my silence about my personal issues meant somehow I wasn't being responsible for my health. But he says, no, not, not. And, and Kirk Douglas turns 100 next month. A hundred. See, there's obviously something in, in the water, isn't there, somewhere. Whatever, whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. I don't know what he looks like now. I should imagine he's, he's not looking a hundred percent. hundred years old. I think there's hope for me. I worked out the other day, actually. I worked out that there's no chance I'm going to make it to a hundred. In fact, I don't think there's much chance I'm going to make it to 80 either. Is that what he looks like at a hundred? He looks like they've done, actually, prosthesis on him, doesn't it, really? That he's had bits put on a hundred that's it. That's three years ago, is it? Good God, he looks bad enough there. Must look even worse nowadays. But he's a hundred. Good God. Good God. When you look at what he used to look like and then how he's, how he's sort of aged. But there, he's a hundred. Of course he's entitled to age. What a ridiculous thing to say. And uh, I've got pictures of him celebrating his uh, 99th birthday with a blowout bash. Oh, what's a blowout bash? Is that where you invite in friends who you haven't seen for ages and ages? And uh, who's he there with? Who's he there with? I don't know who any of these people are. That's the trouble. They're all in America. And you think to yourself, do you have a party for somebody who's 100 or do you just leave them there with a bottle of whiskey or something like that? But um, uh, they had a Obama's... Oh, that's what it was a fundraiser for Obama. And that's a cake there. A cake. Kirk Douglas celebrating his 99th birthday on Wednesday. Spartacus, they say, at 99. And... Um, it's nice, actually. But they're, they're going to build, I think, the, the Motion Picture and Television Fund with a donation of £15 million, uh, in the Woodland Hills. Uh, a two-storey, £35 million Alzheimer's facility to be named the Kirk Douglas Care Pavilion, which will be able to take care of up to 80 industry members. It's, it's, a, it's, sort of a, it's another version of Brinsworth over here. Only they don't look after people with Alzheimer's. They just look after people who've come to the end of their, their career in show business. And if you qualify, you get a, a nice room at Brinsworth or any one of the other houses. Looks lovely, doesn't it? You get a lot for 35 million. A lot for 35 million. How lovely. They, they're also hoping to put in a kosher deli. <laughs> Imagine sitting there. What is it? Uh, according to uh, the spies that we had there, Kirk slipped out of his party after about an hour. I think that's enough. So December the 9th, he'll be celebrating his 100th birthday. And uh, there will no doubt be a big, big party to celebrate. He won't be there for all of it. He'll just be there for a little bit, just to show his face. Amazing, though, isn't it, really? I'm always quite pleased when I think somebody gets that. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Why is it in Italy everybody's a nun? Every time I turn on the blooming television, here we are, we know that they had um, an earthquake there, and all they show is pictures of nuns. Is the whole 
The whole of Italy is set for the sound of music. What are they doing over there? Everywhere, none. Hello, nuns. Nuns, here we go. We went to Rome, nuns. You know, everywhere you go, nuns. I think I'll be a nun. Do you get transgender nuns? Do you think that would ever be possible? Transgender nuns? Might be some, mightn't there? Because it's a... Do you don't think the Catholic Church would like that? I think the Pope would. He's actually been very tolerant of uh, of most things, because we all know there are gay priests. God knows we know there are gay priests. But I wonder if, if all of a sudden nuns started coming out. Because it's, it's quite a... You know, it's sort of a monastic existence. You know, you're hanging around with a load of other women. You're not exactly mixing with monks or anything like that. So it would be easy, wouldn't it? And I'm sure that there are. In fact, actually, wasn't the the singing nun gay? Do you remember the singing nun? She had a lovely little song called Dominica, and it went... Her name was Jean Deckers, and um, she died when she was 51 in uh, Belgium. But she played... She played guitar and she had this this hit single, Dominica. If you, go and get, go and look at it. Go go and look at it on YouTube because the song is really cute. And um, she had a relation. There you go. I thought so. She moved in with Annie Pesha, with, with whom she'd first met the counsellor in a seaside camp, and um, and they shared an apartment. And uh, she did tell friends she didn't want a sexual relationship. She said she wanted them to live together simply as friends. But unfortunately, a lesbian relationship um, did did happen. So that was it. So there you go. She might have been the... Actually, in the late 70s, she was... Uh, the government claimed she owed back taxes. About $63,000, I think. And she didn't have anything like that at all. She was a nun. Nuns don't have money, do they? They have a commitment to God. And uh, so that was it. But she died at 51. But it, it was that song, Dominica. Hey, Kimmy. Dominica, 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 <laughs> so cute. It's so, so cute, honestly. I need to work on a gold station, I've decided. This is obvious. My friend Tony would be delighted. Yeah, oh, come and work on a gold station. It's so cute, isn't it, that song? It sounds as good today. I don't know who... The, I think she was multi-tracked. I'm pretty certain she was multi-tracked. She would have had to have been multi-tracked on it. There was only her singing, I think. But it, it was... Uh, she did Dutch, German, Hebrew, Japanese and Portuguese versions of it. Isn't that cute? Dominique outsold Elvis Presley during its stay on the Billboard Hot 100. It was the second to last number one before the British invasion. It's so cute, isn't it? I tell you, this this programme is an education. I don't care if you don't like me, it doesn't make any difference to me at all. As long as you listen to the programme, which is which is the way it works. It's fantastic, isn't it? I love that little song. It's so, so cute. So, so cute. If she'd been around, she'd be doing horror, Halloween and stuff like that. Oh, no, they wouldn't. If you're in the church, you wouldn't be doing anything like Halloween, would you? Grief. <gasps> Sorry I mentioned it. Steve Allen on LBC. There's a picture of David Beckham. He looks like he's sort of running out of energy, really, poor old Dave. He's flying again. Why on earth an ex-footballer would be flogging whiskey to you, I can't imagine. But uh, Harper Beckham has not learnt to walk. She's five. She's five, and he's carrying her at the airport. And uh, because they're in Los Angeles, they're catching a plane home to the UK. So the whole family go out there. For some reason, Dave's wearing dark glasses. Nobody else is, so presumably it's some sort of, some sort of celebrity thing. I don't know. You have to explain that one to us, Dave. And uh, can she walk? Is it, is it possible? Maybe put her down? You know, sit, sit. Mama, 
Mama. Does she walk? Try, try. Put, put new, new batteries in and see whether that works. Because you shouldn't be carrying a five-year-old. Not at the airport. Not when it's not when the strain, Dave, is telling on you a little bit. And no, no, mummy was there. I don't know, but perhaps mummy is is busy elsewhere in the world. Perhaps mummy doesn't hang around with people as much as we really want her to. Dave uh, Beckham has got his sunglasses on because he's got conjunctivitis. I know in those airports it's dreadful, isn't it? Conjunctivitis. It's really terrible. I have a lot of sympathy. He wears them a lot of the time. She lives in them. I have to wear them for medical reasons, but uh, she just wears them because it's lovely. But she's never with the family. Where is mummy? Where mummy? <laughs> she's not here. She's running a business, running a business. So she doesn't have enough time for you at the moment. But uh, mummy thinks about you all the time. Your mummy's little soldiers, except Harper, who's mummy's little can't walk soldier. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Steve, uh, years ago I went on a business trip. Uh, to a certain place. I don't want to identify the airline or anything like that. On the way back, I bought a bottle of Chanel for my wife. And guess what? It was a copy. Somebody's given me a cheap copy and kept the real one, possibly for resale. There is that danger. Because copies now are fantastic, aren't they? And, uh, and I mean, they really are absolutely fantastic. In fact, even the police do these programmes occasionally on the television. And uh, we had the case of somebody uh, blew themselves up in a distillery, about four people. They were making vodka. They were making what they thought was Smirnoff vodka, but it was just the bottles and the labels. And it's perfectly done. The most widely copied thing, as you know, is washing powder. Washing powder is the most copied thing. So if ever you're offered a lot of washing powder, there's huge, huge markups on washing powder. Uh, people copy everything. And I defy anybody to tell, tell the difference between some. Even the police, they, they actually put up a load of uh, fakes, the real one and then the fake. And you cannot. Years ago, you could spot them. Now they're really difficult to spot and people want to buy it. Uh, one of my friends took in a handbag that she's got that needed repairing to, and she bought it. It's, it's a fake. It's a fake hammer. She took it into one of those shoe shop things where they do leather repairs. And he said, thank God it's not real. He knew straight away. I mean, I looked at it, it looked, looked kosher to me. But then I suppose that's what we have this posh porn for, the, the shops where they are trained to look out for, for fake goods. You know, loads of things like that. People, people selling handbags. It's the biggest thing, isn't it? Tamara Eccleston, that uh, well-known, poor, impoverished girl who's living in a 57-roomed house but only, only actually visits four of these rooms because presumably she's frightened of the dark and there's nobody else to hang around with or talk to about what is toast uh, or anything else. Uh, father's 83. She was telling us she hasn't been in the swimming pool or the bowling alley. Kind of a bit of a waste of time, really, isn't she? I always thought she was a bit of a waste of time. But uh, she would be the sort of person who, I think in one particular handbag, and they cost a fortune, she's got 45 of them. She must be so bored. So bored. A bit like the Beckhams. Where are we going, Daddy? Oh, we're flying back to London today. Are we? Yeah, think of the air miles. Think of the air miles. I wonder where they're going to be spending Christmas. Do you think the, the house will be decorated by somebody and, and Dave will go, Oh, present, present, got a present! Something exciting. What do you buy the children in the Beckham household? I don't know. Harper perhaps will get a set of legs that she can walk on. That'd be nice. I'm surprised they haven't got any dogs. But there again, they never settle in any one place, do they, really? Uh, they're always moving. On Posh Porn, talking about the show, says Jeff, it's amazing. Many of the so-called pictures and signatures of framed celebrity guitars and footballs, including football shirts, are fake. Some of these customers have paid fortunes for this type of memorabilia, only to find out it's fake. It's awful. He said, it's a scam that still goes on. I know, there was a guy who used to work the markets. 
and he could get any football, and you and you go and see him. He used to operate. I won't tell you which markets that he used to operate. And um, somebody say, "Have you got a David Beckham?" He go, "No, but I've got one coming in next week." He'd go home. He had all their uh, signatures on cellophane, and he would trace the signature through the cellophane. And so he'd go back the next week and he'd go, oh, "I've got that David Beckham for you, fifty-five pounds." <coughs> it's amazing, isn't it? I told you a friend of mine got a, a Chelsea team shirt signed. By everybody on the team. He got it framed up, put it up on the wall. Only recently, his mate said, it was fake. They'd, they'd made it up themselves. You see, look, there's one here. David Beckham autograph, limited edition print, seventy nine ninety nine. Rare David Beckham, England signed shirt. Aftal approved, whatever that is. £295. Or there's a rare David Beckham, another Aftal dealer approved, whatever that means. And that's £345. Has David Beckham spent all his time signing things, or are these just crooked? There's one here. 1996-98, David Beckham signed Man United official shirt. £400. I mean, do you, I mean, who's selling this stuff? What, what is Aftal? I don't know what Aftal is. Signed David Beckham book, 125 quid, really? God. I suppose if people want to believe it's genuine. But I, I would want something a little bit more... Oh, it's the oh, the Autograph Fair Trade Association Limited. What does that mean? I would like to actually take somebody down from that place in the Strand, uh, which, uh, which is Fraser's. And Fraser's know all about fakes and genuine. They, they would, somebody from there would be able to look at that and go, fake or genuine. And you don't know until you actually see them. You need to see them. But they, they, they can tell. I was always amazed. We'd have somebody phoning up saying, oh, I've got a complete set of Beatles autographs. And Poppy used to say, well, OK, let's... Because um, uh, I think a complete set is worth, if they're all on the same piece of paper, it could be, I think, between 4000 and £7,000. Something like that. And, uh, and they go for, for quite... Oh, that's a good price, isn't it? 649 for monthly Beatles book magazine, set 1 to 77. Wow. Six four nine. The Beatles Nems Enterprises trading card, complete first series. But I think Beatles signatures of it. And she would say, "Did you actually get them yourself?" And if they said no, she said, "There's very little chance that they're going to be genuine. You would have to see them because all the Beatles signed for them. Also, all the girls in the office at Apple signed for them as well. And they had auto pen. An auto pen was an invention that came over. So in other words, you've got an ink signature." Because the pen will trace that signature and you just put the card underneath, push the button and the pen will trace the signature. And it's done in pen. So people go, it's a genuine signature. But Frasers, they were that good. They would come on the programme and go, that's a fake. They could actually tell. Steve Allen on LBC. So Prince Harry has now spent the past week with his lover in Canada. By a strange coincidence, she's just launched her own fashion range, uh, which is lovely, isn't it? Hope to God they're in separate bedrooms in her house. I would hate to think that he's sort of, you know, Harry, heir to the throne. Well, not really ever going to happen, is it? And um, and they have to... Um, she, she, she'll need to take a Britishness test, won't she? She'll have to answer really important questions, like which of the following are names of real British places? Sandy Balls, Little Trouser, Happy Bottoms, Crotch Crescent. OK. Uh, <laughs> the answer is... Uh, all but B, all but B, uh, little little trouser is not uh, is not the name of a British place. Um, so, which is better, Vegemite or Marmite? The answer is Marmite. 
and uh, her answer, Vegemite, was wrong. And um, one here, in Cockney rhyming slang, because we have Cockneys, what does apples and pears mean? Come on, I mean, every single person over the age of two knows apples and pears stares. Uh, her answer was, I really have no appropriate answer. And uh, what's the national animal of England? The answer is the lion. She says, uh, am I supposed to know that? And she didn't know the national animal of Scotland, which is a unicorn. But that's sweet. I think Scottish people know that. The national animal of Scotland is a unicorn. And she, well, I've never heard of that one. How many drugs do they do up in Scotland? A unicorn. Not enough drugs, yes. That was somebody's thing, wasn't it? Somebody shouted out at a, at a concert with a comedian. He said, I suspect drugs is the answer for most of the things that you're thinking about. A unicorn. I wonder why a unicorn. An animal with a... I mean, it's, they never existed. They didn't exist, did they? Although there are animals who've got that thing there, and it's hair that... And I can't remember what it is. Is it an animal in the... Is it in the sea? Is it... Um, oh, it's something. I'm sure it's an animal in the sea or a swimming thing. And it's got um, this thing sticking out of the top of it. I'm pretty... Isn't it... It's, it's not a dolphin. It's some... It's not a seahorse. No, it's definitely not a seahorse. Is it... Um, it's white... It's white and it's got this long thing that sticks out in front of it. God, here we go again, honestly. It's pro... No, no, I've seen them. I've seen them in Antarctica. They're like, they're like whales, but they've got this long projectile in front of them. Don't, don't wind me up, because I know it exists. It's the, yeah, it's, it looks like that. The narwhal. The narwhal. It's got a fawn on it. It's, yeah. It's, it, it does exist. I'm sure it exists. I've seen them on the television. I've seen them on, on the television. I've seen them. They are Canadian Arctic and Greenland with Russian waters. A uniquely specialised Arctic predator. It feeds on Bethlehem. It, it does exist, actually. It's a tusk from a tooth. Oh, right. On its, on its yeah. It's, it's huge, this thing. It makes you wonder how it sort of swims around without sort of bumping into each other. You could do yourself serious damage. You have a look at a photo of one and you'll, you'll see exactly what I mean. So it's a narwhal and it's got this... Helical tusk, which is an elongated upper left canine. But if you have a look at a picture, which you can probably get up on Google, have a look. Have a look at a photograph. You'll see one. You'll be you'll be amazed. They're, look, they're enormous, aren't they? Look, I mean, that's I've seen them in white. Perhaps it comes in different colours, but I've I've seen it in white. <laughs> There's a white one on the right hand side. Looks like a cartoon, doesn't it? but they have this thing there, I suppose, for spearing things. If you had a bit of a night on the booze, you'd never manage, would you, really? <laughs> Be out there completely. But, yeah, narwhal, and that's it. And they, they generally live in these cold waters. And uh, very, I knew I was right. I'm never wrong. It's, un, it's unbelievable. What? What? You, you, the unicorn of the seas. There you go, you see. So there is a tie-in with the unicorn of the seas and the unicorn, which is the official animal of Scotland. Ah, it came up out of the mist. It was a unicorn. <laughs> it's not bad, is it? Actually, I saw a lo- there's a lovely picture in one of the papers today of uh, of deer walking through. I think it might be Richmond Park with the mist and frost. And it looks fantastic. It really does. I like it, but it's blooming cold out there. And I might have to wear a vest tomorrow, God forbid, uh, just to sort of get away from the uh, the cold weather. I think it's going to be it's going to be a cold, cold winter. Cold. So anyway, so anyway, so Prince Harry spent a week shacked up with this uh, this girl in America who's divorced and uh, she's just got rid of a boyfriend. 
She's a bit loose, isn't she? Not up to his usual standard. I thought they were usually sort of untouched by human hand until they got around to him. And he's been there for a week. Does he have a job? Oh, no, sorry. He's on the civil list. I knew there was something, actually. So that's what we, we, we can really expect from uh, Beatrice and Eugenie, can't we? They, they, they could go out there and meet up with different people. Oh, no, wait a minute, they've been doing that already, haven't they? Uh, one of them was out with Dave, and then that finished, and Dave's got a much prettier girlfriend now. Well, in fact, actually, between the new girlfriend and Beatrice, they're so far apart, ladies and gentlemen, as to be Dave's finally found his nemesis. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. I don't have to keep reminding you, as indeed various people do, that it's Halloween. I think we spend far too much time faffing around with something that's of no interest to 90% of the country. Just a few people who want to go out, there'll be a few nightclubs, people will be wandering back through the streets of London or the streets of Glasgow or Edinburgh or Basingstoke. No, they won't be in Basingstoke. And they won't be doing it in Milton Keynes because they dress like this all the time. So there's no point, is there? But people want to go out. Nobody will have the faintest idea of the origin of it. Nobody will have the faintest idea why you're doing trick-or-treating. Nobody will have... And what's the point of going around and people give you sweets? What happens if you say to somebody, they go, yes, trick-or-treat, OK, come in. OK, we've got turkey, ham, roast potatoes, sorry, uh, and then for pudding, I've got a lovely trifle for you, and the time you've staggered out, an hour and a half later, you go, oh, we'll do trick-or-treating next year. We're liable to get too fat doing it. But there will be kiddies who go out there. In the same way, you don't see Penny for the Guy. I used to see prams, old perambulators, ladies and gentlemen, which would be parked up outside the local sort of sweet shop that did a few fireworks. Get your Mount Vesuvius here, as they say. And, uh, and kids go, Penny for the Guy. And they'd have sort of some moth-eaten dummy sitting there. We tried to dress my Auntie Enid up like that one year and sat her in a pram. She wasn't having anything to do with it. And um, and then they go penny for the guy. And people would give you a penny. Nowadays, you can't give somebody a penny. That was an old penny. You needed a few to buy it. But then you could buy uh, for tuppence or threepence old money. Got to be over 40 to understand what we're talking about. You could buy fireworks. They had them in, in the cabinet. And you'd go... Uh, they used to line them all up. Do you remember? They lined them up in the glass cabinet. And you'd go, I'll have one of those... And uh, and I remember a silver rain was tuppence, old money, a silver rain. And you stuck it in the ground and it just went and finished. That was it. They lasted seconds, seconds. Nowadays, I think we've actually got a firework on Saturday that lasts 15 minutes. 15 minutes for a firework. Because it's more difficult to buy rockets. I went to my usual place, I said the other day, to try and buy uh, some big rockets, cause I like, and you can't buy them anymore. The government have clamped down because there's idiots out there who don't know how to behave with fireworks. It just just comes down to people buying them and selling them responsibly. This is LBC with Steve Allen. I always think if it's good enough for the Queen, it's good enough for Steve Allen. And if there's one thing I like at this time of year, and I, I don't quite understand why we only do it at this time of year, is I do like mince pies. And there are lots and lots of different mince pies, but I found one about five years ago. So we've got booze in it. And uh, I remember thinking at the time, how exciting. And I scoured everywhere to find these blasted mince pies, which come from a company with royal appointment to Her Majesty the Queen, uh, called Walker's, who were established way back in 1898. And, and so I found these. Somebody had written in to me saying, we tried these mince pies. They've got Glenfiddich in. Um, really? Booze? 
And they said, yeah, and they've got really long sell-by dates. I think, they, you know, if you buy them now, I think they're 2017. Because you've got to check, please do check the sell-by dates, because even though we had a bit of a contretemps, didn't we, with M&S, because they said with lashings of brandy and port and everything else, and the sell-by date was about a week. So obviously not many lashings. But these, uh, these, these walkers ones, I had one the other day. Where I, I brought a box in, and they're actually really nice. And, and I got a letter from Nicky Walker, from I know it's really bizarre, isn't it? Uh, all the way up there, in uh, in I can't I, I won't tell you how to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'll just tell you they're in Scotland. And uh, he says we're delighted to hear you've been talking about these men. So they sent me some. So I think it's quite sweet actually. So in fact, I'm kind of sort of spoiling myself and having sort of mince pies with Glenfiddichin. And I'm not even a whiskey drinker. I'm seriously not a whiskey drinker. So every year. They sort of write to me, which is quite, we've sort of entered into this relationship now, which is quite exciting. Although I'm I'm watching my weight, so I'm trying. So we had them last week, which was actually quite nice, and uh, and and we might have another one later this week. I think I don't know. I've, I don't know where you can buy. I seriously, I don't know. I'm I'm assuming supermarkets. They are they're they're, they're quite difficult to find. I'm assuming if we if we contacted Nicky, he'd probably say this is where we sent to. But I don't I don't know. But they, but they, they, it has got a, a, it's a pretty box. It's just got a picture of Glenfiddich on the front. You approve of the Glenfiddich. I think the idea, but the trouble is, should you, if you have mince pies, are they festive or could you have them all year round? Could you, because people have mince tart and I believe it's perhaps more of a Scottish thing than it is uh, us southern Jessies down here. But I quite like the idea and I don't know when mince pies first came along and we had them for Christmas because they always say Christmas time, if you can't manage the Christmas pudding, which is fairly heavy. Mince pies are lighter. It's a lighter mix. And if you look at how many there are, I mean, it's, uh, they say uh, the ingredients are traceable back to the 13th century. I think when the, the Crusaders uh, brought them. So the original pies were things like um, mutton pie, shrid pie. Have you ever heard of shrid pie? Christmas pie. So typically the ingredients were mincemeat, suet, range of fruits and spices. Served around Christmas, the savoury Christmas pie became associated with supposed Catholic idolatry. And during the English Civil War was frowned on by the Puritan authorities. Nevertheless, the tradition of eating Christmas pie in December continued through to the Victorian era. And today the mince pie remains a popular seasonal treat enjoyed by many across the United Kingdom. And I have to be honest, over the years, we, we have tried quite a few of them. My mother used to make mince pies. She used to make, but open, what I call open mince pies. So they are, uh, they are quite nice. Uh, the Quakers didn't like them. The, although I'm quite sure there are lots of Quakers now. There's supposed to be 13 ingredients. Greg's reported sales of seven and a half million mince pies during Christmas 2011. Wow. And the, the popular claim that consumption of mince pies on Christmas Day is illegal is, in fact, an urban myth. It's lovely, though, isn't it? I can remember my mother making the mince pie mixture in her, in her big bowl, and then spooning them in, and she made them. I, d- I didn't think her mince pies were the best, and I'm normally a big advocate of my, of my mother's cooking. And uh, apparently, during the English Civil War, along with the, the censure of other Catholic customs, they were banned. They were banned. The Christmas pie is made an abomination. So they didn't, uh, they didn't have it. Now I'm delighted to say you can have it with custard, ice cream, double thick cream. You <laughs> can have it with any sort of cream at all. And uh, Gervais Markham, in his 1615 recipe, recommends taking, wait for this one, a leg of mutton and cutting the best of the flesh from the bone before adding mutton, suet, 
pepper, salt, cloves, mace, mace, <laughs> and uh, currants, raisins, prunes. God, you wouldn't hang around there, would you? Dates and orange peel. Uh, what else? Dates, orange peel, cloves, nutmeg. Oh, you could, incidentally, if you don't have mutton, beef or veal is quite nice. Uh, also, the recipe in 1854 included a neat's tongue chopped. What's a neat? I don't want to know what a neat is, actually. I've decided it sounds horrible. What's a, what's a chopped neat? Neat's tongue, here it is, serve... Col- what is it? Oh, don't, don't show me a picture of an animal, I couldn't bear it. Is it... It's, wait a minute, rinse the... T- oh, it is somebody's tongue. Oh, I'm sure about that. I think it's too early in the morning for that. But uh, I quite like the, uh, the pictures, the side of it. It's got um, sort of lamb chop things. But my mother used to make this mixture, and then she'd spoon it into the things, then pop them in the oven. The, the smell of baking in the household at Christmas was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And there'll be lots of people doing it now, but it's, it's dying out, isn't it? Because we buy things. I mean, I'm assuming, if, if you're making it with sort of Glenfiddich, presumably you sort of, you, um, you sort of um, stir in the mixture, and then you're shoving a bottle of Glenfiddich. I'm assuming that's how it works. I did have, was it making a Christmas cake? The recipe for making a Christmas cake, which I think I read on LBC some years ago. It proves very popular around the festive time because it involves a lot of alcohol and uh, you get quite sort of quite tiddly. Yes. Oh, the mince pies. I mean, if you buy any of them in most of the supermarkets, they've got booze in, proper booze. They're, uh, the sell-by date's about a week. So that's why these ones were particularly, uh, particularly good. Because, it, uh, because it's got booze in it, we quite like it. I remember the first time I opened the packet, I thought, mm, lovely. And I'm not a whiskey drinker. Seriously. Uh, re-watchdogs Chris Hollins has been replaced by a disabled presenter. The presenter is in a wheelchair, a first for the BBC. Really? Has Chris Hollins gone from, from Watchdog? Did he, do, he did do it, didn't he? Is it, didn't he go off to do something else? But I don't know um, who. Harrods, says Iceman, will sell your, uh, your Walker's mince pies. Must be another place to get them. It can't be the only place. You can't have to trek into London. What about people living in the... In the of course, it's Scotland. You can probably get them everywhere, I should imagine. Much, much easier. Uh, Janet says, I too like the Glenfiddich mince pies. I'm a whiskey drinker. Uh, and I got some pies one Christmas, but I can only find them in a catalogue. How lovely. How lovely. <laughs> Isn't it terrible that we're drinking whiskey? The only time I'd ever had whiskey before was in hot milk. If you had a cold, your mother would put... And I used to love that. Whiskey and hot milk. Do you like Jameson's? A friend of mine, he's, uh, David, he's not with us anymore. He sadly passed on. But he used to collect rare whiskies, But for all different years. So in his kitchen, all around the walls. Little, and so 1950, 1947. And uh, because I couldn't tell, he never gave me any. Because I never, I couldn't tell the difference. I've just realised where I get them from. I get them from Costco. They sell them in Costco. How very wise of Costco to do something with booze in. Uh, to, uh, they also, a lot of people telling me about how you have competitions at work. You bring in mince pies and you have to guess whether they're homemade or shop-bought. Well, you could tell, can't you? The homemade ones don't look half as good as the ones which are made on, on machines. Uh, Steve, new listener, says Mark. He's in Bromsgrove. Uh, great to hear somebody with the voice of reason. You can get Walker's mince pies at the Edinburgh Woolen Mill. Yeah, we've got one in uh, Kingston. They do sweaters and jumpers, things things from 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 Edinburgh. <laughs> Hence Edinburgh Woolen Mill, I suppose. And Doug in Edinburgh says the Glenfiddich mince pies are made in Speyside in a place called Abalower. Abalower. It's sort of Abba as in Aberdeen and then Lower, which rhymes with tower. So Abalower. Is that, is that right? Have I done that correctly? 
Thank goodness for that. I've always wanted... I used to, you know, work some years ago for United Biscuits, so I used to go to the factories, especially up in uh, up in Scotland, where whiskey was an everyday occurrence. And that was at seven in the morning, people would be drinking whiskey. And, um, and I used to watch all the biscuits being made and the cakes being made and um, all sorts of things. They used to make the shortbread and wafers and... Uh, what else did they make? I used to go to Liverpool to watch... Um, what do they call them? Jaffa cakes being made. I think they came from there as well. And penguins came from Manchester. And you'd watch them. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of biscuits and cakes whizzing round at high speed. So uh, I am I am familiar with, with the process. Steve Allen on LBC. The FA are going to defy the FIFA poppy ban. Which, of course, I said yesterday, to be honest with you, they've got no teeth the FA at all. They need to get out there and do something and say basically to FIFA, like, we're going to do what we want to do, OK? We're going to honour our war dead. It's as simple as that. It's not really. They're not standing there waving flags or things. Actually, I bought my poppy the other day. Um, they aren't doing anything like that. Uh, they're just going to wear these armbands, which seems perfectly normal, doesn't it? And the Scotland players are doing exactly the same. So, uh, so FIFA, shove it. All right. That's that's what we're actually telling you. I did buy a poppy the other day. I bought a metal poppy. A metal poppy. And uh, the man who I bought it from in Twickenham, they had all sorts of ones. And this is the... Uh, this is quite nice, actually. Uh, what one have I got here? 1915-2015. So I don't know. But I, I paid a fiver for it. I should thought, see, it seemed reasonable. You can't put a price on it, can you? I mean, I could have given £100, but I, I, I gave her a fiver, and he seemed very grateful for a fiver. So I thought that, that was actually good, so I, I bought that. I've got loads of these. I buy them every year. I like them. And I think a fiver's nothing. I know it seems awful, doesn't it? Really, because it probably means I've probably got more money than cents. But as far as I'm concerned, what these people gave, a fiver is nothing. I tell you what, would you like to kill yourself for a fiver? No. Would you like to go out into a war zone for a fiver? No. Thank you very much indeed. So a fiver is nothing. But he was very good. I gave it to him. And he said, no, you actually put it in the tin. And as I was putting it in there, he went, is that one of those plastic ones? I said, yes. He said, oh. He said, I haven't seen many of them. I said, I've got three. Which made me sound really flashy. It's only because I start collecting them. Well, until I start paying for things. I've suddenly realised it's currency. I don't know why I'm saving the blooming thing. But uh, but I, I do like the, uh, the, the little poppy badges. And uh, who was wearing one the other day? Was it Robert Peston or something? I've won the size of a dinner plate on. It looked ridiculous. Steve Allen on LBC. Vanessa talks about the cagey behaviour of poor old Cheryl, Miss Dullard. Dull, dull, dull. Uh, they've said here Cheryl is destined to fulfil her life's ambition to become a mother. A photo shoot last week was carefully staged to disguise any sign of a baby bump. What a bore. And what ridiculous lengths to go to if there really is anything to disguise. This cagey behaviour, she writes, simply means by the time they finally spill the beans, we'll all be so over it. You are yawn, yawn, double yawn. Talk about missing the point. Exactly. Perhaps she... Th- I mean, I can't in my wildest dreams imagine why she'd not be excited about having a baby. She's sold every other aspect about her dreary life. Why would she not want to tell you she's pregnant? Or was she just sort of telling us, yeah, I'm a girl from council estate in Newcastle, so I got pregnant, that's what we do in my town? Is that the kind of thing she's heading for? Because whatever it is, she's kind of missed it completely. She's not intelligent enough. Not intelligent enough to realise that nobody really actually gives a stuff whether she's pregnant or not. It's just a case of why is she being so miserable about it? Perhaps she didn't want to be pregnant. Perhaps she's hoping it'll go away. Perhaps it was a case of, oh, God, well, that's my career stuffed, isn't it? But there again, if you have unprotected sex, that's your problem, isn't it? 
But, you know, are you or aren't you? Why, why can't you understand the question? And so by the time you actually come out with it, no doubt there'll be some huge explosion and an outpouring of news and it'll be front page. Cheryl, I'm delighted to be pregnant. And we'll all go, oh, go away, boring. Go away, take your dreary little boyfriend with you. Nobody cares, dear. You know, it's like saying, did you buy washing powder today? Pet, did you buy washing powder? And she'll then go, I can't answer that question. Did you buy Jaffa cakes? Did you buy Jaffa cakes today? Can't answer that question. Are you pregnant? I don't know. Have you had sex? I mean, go, dear, honestly. Because after it was picked up by Pip Schofield yesterday, he actually said the one show should have... I'll encapsulate it. He said, why didn't they ask the question? The most important question everybody wants to know about. That's like, you know, bringing somebody in, like the, the captain of the Titanic, you know, after it went down, and then going, so, so tell me, where did you go on holiday last year? You know, and people going, ask about the Titanic. So, did you spend a lot of money on ice creams on the beach? It was as stupid as that. The one show, they must have the dimmest blooming editors in all time. Because if they've been held to ransom... Oh, I found one of my nuts. Uh, if they've been held to ransom by... Uh, I have it fallen into the paper. I had... There it is, look. One nut. Oh, look at that. Honestly. Um, yeah, so if they... Um, that's where I'm going with that one. Um, if, if you've got somebody on the programme and they go, OK, right, we, we'd like to book Cheryl, because nobody else is interested in putting her on. Because otherwise, the, uh, otherwise, this morning would have taken her. This morning would have taken her. But, of course, I think the BBC have some sort of, some sort of line with, uh, with Dame Esther Whatsaface. You know, it's a case that because she used to work there and because she used to be very powerful, as a woman at the BBC, she was very powerful. Now she's just an old lady looking for a bit of love and affection. But she's tried a dating programme and that didn't work. So, anyway, so they obviously get this uh, call going, um, uh, Esther would be very pleased to come and do the one show. Because I don't think she can get up too early. So Pip and, um, and uh, Waterface couldn't do it. So they obviously get the, the one show. But she'll only talk about, uh, about Childline. Now, anybody worth their salt will say, listen, that might... I had, a, I had Linda Bellingham in. Linda Bellingham came into the studio in the day she was in the papers, having got rid of her husband. And she said to me, she said, I don't, I don't really want to talk about that, Steve. I said, listen... Trust me, can we just do a little bit on it? Because they'll think I'm mad if I don't ask you the question which is on everybody's lips. You know, why did you get rid of him and that? And so she went with it. There's a way of doing it, not just pandering to some faded old has-been pop star and an old woman who has to go on a dating programme, you know, to talk about Childline. And so somebody obviously there, somebody either in Esther's camp or in Cheryl's camp, this is how it has to pan out, must have said, listen, she'll only talk about Childline, don't ask her anything else. And you go, well, I'm sorry, she can't come on the programme there. That's what I'd have said. I'd have said, I'm sorry, I'm not that blooming desperate to put her on there. You know, we've got to ask her the question everybody wants to know about. Well, she won't answer it. Well, then we don't want her on the programme. Tell her to sod off and go somewhere else. Where else is she going to go? No, they're not going to put her on Graham Norton. So here comes Cheryl with, with Esther. No way. It's a celebrity-based programme. Not celebrity pregnancies, who's up the duff this week, name the parent. You know, so what you have to do is you have to sort of put your foot down. I've, I've seen it before. People say, I've had people PR saying to me before, do not talk about so-and-so, so-and-so. The person comes in, what do they start talking about? The thing that the PR said we weren't supposed to ask them. And so you look pleadingly at them as if to say, what do I do? Do I run with this or Sam? Sorry, we'll have to cut all this out of the programme. The PR doesn't want you talking about it. No, it's PRs jumping the gun and thinking they're a bit more important. And they are. I'd love to see how many people trotted along with uh, with Cheryl going, OK, now when they ask you about this, this is what you say here. You talk about, you know, people, you know, because you, you come from Newcastle. Because she, she, she spoke about Newcastle during the interview like she went back there on a regular basis. 
She's so, so far removed from Newcastle, it's a bit embarrassing, really, to even mention Newcastle and Cheryl Whatsaface in the same breath. But no, she should have been asked about it. That's what people want to know about. No, she's only on there because they go, we've got an interview with Cheryl. But yet, obviously, the editor must have come down, right, wuss he must be, or she must be, going, uh, don't ask her anything about the baby. If I was the presenter, I'd say, what you can do, fire me. What you can do, fire me. They're both established presenters. You just go, I'm going to ask somebody. It's as simple as that. What you can do? Say, at the end of the programme, I told you not to answer that, you're fired. Go, do one. Never anything really like her. You just ask her, Cheryl, are you pregnant? And she'd probably sit there, stum. And then you'd follow it up with, well, listen... We're not going to talk about Childline unless you give me an answer to this question. Are you pregnant? Yes or no? It's not a difficult question. People are very interested. What is it? Nothing. There would be silence. You could, you could hear emptiness inside her head. Oh, my God, what am I going to say? Are you pregnant? You're not pregnant. You know, it's not difficult. But uh, instead, they, they pandered to her. Big, big mistake. Big mistake. It's like if ever I get anybody like that and they say, you can only talk about this, I say, well, listen, don't actually give me the interview. I'd rather not do it. I'd rather not do it. There's no point at all. I'm, well, you can only talk about, no, and I'm not doing it. Simple as that. I'm not doing it. If you seriously think I'm not going to mention to Ewan McGregor that he's taken his clothes off in more movies than I could shake a stick at, you can think again. Because I'm absolutely going to. He's got a new film out, which is uh, quite something. He does a very, very good American accent. He, he plays um, uh, the son of a man who makes gloves. He's got a glove factory. And uh, it's a Jewish family. And they're very successful. I don't want to tell you too much about it because it would spoil it. But anyway, sufficient to say that they have a daughter who's beautiful. Um, but the daughter goes off in another direction. It's at a strange time in America. It's very good. Very good film. Very good film. And so I shall talk about that. But then I always think nothing should be off limits. There's a way of asking something and there's a way of not asking. If you come right out and go, you know, are, are you up the duff with Liam's kid? You know, then you're not going to get much. But if you say, listen, people are interested. Let's, let's talk about this just for a second. Then we'll go back to that. You know, and if, and if, if Ewan refused to talk about having been in uh, Star Wars... Um, I don't think we're going to have enough time to get round to Star Wars. There's so many other films because we've got to do Train Spotting 2. I've got to try and get everything in, including the new film, which, as I say, from Liongate is a, is a brilliant one. But I would think it was so unlikely. I've never, I mean, I've never had any, well, there was one a short while ago, and um, who didn't want any photographs taken. Who didn't want any photographs taken. And I remember thinking, why? We had a photograph taken last time, but since the last time and this time, they've, they've sort of changed and gone, I don't want my uh, picture taken. Do you know who it is? Do you think you know who it is? Oh, right, OK, I'll tell you in the break who it is. And specifically, do not... I, I don't want any photographs taken. So I thought, that's a bit of a shame, because we're filming this interview. I didn't want to say that. I kind of left that to one side. But anyway, so, no, if, if, I'm sure if Ewan McGregor turned up, I don't anticipate any problems with anybody. He's coming in to do an interview. He knows who he's coming in to see. If, 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 he's, if he's done his homework, he'll have checked out the programme. He might even have heard it before. I don't know. And he might know exactly what it is, because people don't have to do the interviews. Dustin Hoffman didn't have to come in and do Steve Allen. You know, Brian Cranston didn't have to come in and do Steve Allen, but they do. And so that's why, you know, we welcome with open arms. All I'm doing is I'm sort of offering the other side for them. But if I think there's something I want to know about, I'll ask them. I'll always go, you're going to hate me for asking this question. And you can see them looking at me and then they go... It happened years ago with, with Brian Hayes and Betty Davis. Betty Davis came into the country, little tiny actress, the only one who never went through the casting couch... 
mainly because she was terribly unattractive. And, um, and so she came in, and at the time she was quite old. She would have been, I think, in her late 70s. And um, she had her wigs sewn into the hat, and she wore a little pillbox hat. So every time she appeared, if you, if you check it out, you see her on Wogan wearing roughly the same outfit she wore when she came in here. And it was a tailored suit, but she was so thin, very old, with the hair. And, um, and on, on Wogan, she gets halfway through the interview. And the BBC were not allowed to say somebody's got a book out. They would just have it on the table as a reference thing. They used to get into a lot of trouble. Otherwise, it was seen as payola for the BBC, which, of course, break the rules every minute of the blooming day. And uh, they had the same with Raquel Welsh. She held her book up. She held it up. But in the case of Betty Davis, she gets halfway through this interview with Terry Wogan and she goes, are we going to mention my book? And we all went, oh, my God, how's he going to get this one? And he sort of, ha, it's the old Wogan. <laughs> Here it is. And anyway, she came in to talk to Brian Hayes. And I remember distinctly, he started talking about something. And she said, I don't want to talk about that. And he said, well, you will talk about that because it's in your book. If you don't, there's no point in you being here. It was 1943. And, and so she went into it, which I thought was quite good, actually. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.